0: Father, it is truly so far beyond our ability to truly comprehend your love for us and your son's love for us that he would come and take on human flesh and die for our sins and rise from the dead. Thank you. Thank you for your love for us and thank you for your son. And Father, as we look into your word, help us to understand what you want us to know from your word that we would respond in a way that glorifies you that you would be exalted in our hearts and lord that uh, christ would be magnified we thank you for this time we pray this in his precious name amen well there are basically two types of people in the world Uh, There are those who have a genuine hope and those who do not. The reality is that uh, if you haven't come to faith in Christ, you have no true hope in this world. The Apostle Paul would speak of those uh, who have no hope and who are without God in the world. Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, We as believers, when our loved ones in Christ passed away, we're not to grieve like those who have no hope. The reality is you may have hope, but what is your hope based upon? You see, the only way that we can have true hope, as we will see, is to have a relationship with the God who died for our sins and rose from the dead. Would you turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28? And we're going to be looking at the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. And in the book of Matthew, King Jesus came to his own. They were sitting in darkness in the shadow of death, and they saw a great light. With his teaching, he confronted their wrong thinking. He exposed their sin, and he revealed himself as the Christ, the King, and the Savior. And he called upon them to repent and believe in him. But the Jews and their religious leaders uh, rejected Jesus. And indeed, having been tried by the Jewish leaders in the Sanhedrin, finding, finding him guilty of declaring himself to be God, which he truly is, uh, they beat him and mocked him and delivered him up to Pilate, the Roman governor. Pilate not finding guilt in him uh, after having him scourged, uh at the request of the Jewish people, chose a murderer to be released over Jesus. Uh, Pilate, the coward and self-centered politician, delivered Jesus then to be crucified. And after being mocked by the Roman cohort, Jesus was led in a shameful procession to Golgotha, the place of the skull, where we get our word, Calvary. It's at this point he was nailed to the cross and crucified, And there were many onlookers. Now, Jesus was put on the cross sometime around 9 a.m. And about 12 noon, the darkness fell upon the land until about 3 p.m. And during that three-hour period of darkness, Jesus Christ hung on the cross and all of our sin and wickedness was placed upon him. The sinless, spotless Lamb of God bore our sin in his body on the cross. He became sin for us. Paul would tell the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 5.21, He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. He received the full cup of God's wrath that we deserved for our sin. The sinless, spotless Lamb of God was taking upon himself the sin of the world. You see, the wages of sin is death, and that's what God requires. And if we bear our own sin after we die physically, we will die the second death where we will be eternally separated and punished. But Jesus Christ came to die in your and my place. And on the cross, he bore our sins in his body. And it appeared at that day or on that day that evil had its way, but yet God had sovereignly overridden it. He had preplanned that his son would die for us, willingly doing the father's will to bear our sins. Now, having accomplished the bearing of our sins in his body, Jesus said in John 19, it is finished. It is finished. You see, Jesus paid it all. You see, everything that Matthew had begun to say, he was leading up to that. Where Joseph was told by the angel about Mary, and she shall bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for it is he who will save his people from their sins. A gracious, loving, merciful God sent his son to die for our sins. He loved us so much. And Jesus loved us so much that he willingly came and offered himself, obeying the Father's will, even to the point of death, death on a cross. And then after Jesus died, God supernaturally tore the veil of the temple from top to bottom, symbolically revealing the way to a holy God had been accomplished. And that was through the death of Jesus Christ. And then he was buried and placed into the tomb. So with that in mind, we come to uh, chapter 28 of the book of Matthew. Turn with me to chapter 28. Verse 1. Now after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn towards the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave. And behold, a severe earthquake had occurred. For an angel of the Lord had descended from heaven and come and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. And his appearance was like lightning and his garment was, his garment as white as snow. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. And the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, just as he said. Come, see the place where he was lying. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to report it to his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. And Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and take word to my to my brethren to leave for Galilee, and there they shall see me. Well, how do we find true hope? First of all, we need to listen to the testimony that God bears concerning His Son. We need to hear what God says about His Son, Jesus Christ. Now notice we see the women, they were on their way to the tomb, and the angel descended from heaven, the earth quakes, rolls away the stone, sits sits on it, and the guards become like dead men. And if you look at our passage, he says, now, after the Sabbath. Now, the Jewish day ends at sundown, around 6 p.m. That means that sometime after Saturday night, 6 p.m., but notice Matthew gives some more information. He says, as it began to dawn towards the first day of the week so matthew is speaking of a time right before dawn or as dawn was coming on sunday morning and so it's close to dawn towards the first day of the week and notice what he says middle of verse one mary magdalene and the other mary came to look at the grave you see these women were followers of jesus from galilee They had ministered to Jesus, and there were many other women also looking upon the crucifixion from afar, Matthew 27, 55, and 56. And these women were also witnesses to Jesus being put into the tomb, Matthew 27, 61. And you might know that Mary Magdalene, a woman whom Jesus had cast out seven demons, Luke chapter 8, she was a devoted follower of Jesus Christ. And the other Mary had been identified earlier in chapter 27, 56, and Mark 15 as the mother of the Apostle James. Not James and John, but the other James. And so we have these two Marys mentioned again as coming to the tomb. Now in the Gospels, the other Gospels, we see there were other women that came too. And we see the reason why they came. Hold your finger in Matthew uh, 28 and let's look at Mark chapter 16 Mark chapter 16 verse 1 And when the Sabbath was over Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome brought spices that they might come and anoint him and very early on the first day of the week they came to the tomb when the sun had risen And then look at Luke 23, Luke chapter 23, verse 55. Luke 23. Now the women who had come with him out of Galilee followed after and saw the tomb and how the body was laid. And they returned and prepared spices and perfumes. And on the Sabbath day they rested according to the commandment. Chapter 24 of Luke. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb, bringing spices which they had prepared. So we have these devoted ladies, followers of Jesus Christ, yet who truly, as we'll see, did not fully understand yet what had happened. And they uh, came... And they didn't understand fully and believe fully that he would rise from the dead because they were bringing spices. You see, spices were used to anoint a body to take away the stench when there would be decay. Now, Scripture revealed that his body would not decay and that he would raise, be raised from the dead. And Jesus would share that himself. But they were devoted to him. They loved him. They didn't yet fully understand, what they would. So our text says, now after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn towards the first day of the week, back in Matthew 28, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave. And notice what we see in verse 2, and behold, Matthew says here, look, take a look, behold, a severe earthquake had occurred. It's interesting, this earthquake, notice it is related to an angel descending from heaven. It's very interesting. And behold, a severe earthquake had occurred for, that means there's an explanation, uh, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. This is amazing. So it was an angel of the Lord, not the angel of the Lord, but an angel. It's a messenger. They are created spiritual beings. Hebrews chapter 14. are they not ministering spirits sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation? Now, it's pretty well understood in, uh, historically that in tombs in Jesus' day had huge stones rolled in front. And they were not like a big ball, but like a, really a disc that would be rolled in front of the, sto- in front of the, the, the tomb. And so here we see supernatural intervention. Intervention. We have an earthquake and an angel had come from heaven, or literally the angel, an angel of the Lord had come from heaven and had rolled away the stone and had been sitting upon it. That's what the tenses are. Had rolled it away, had come from heaven, rolled it away, and had been sitting on it. That's kind of cool, right? Angel sitting on the stone, right? We know uh, also the angel here, an angel was like, the appearance of the angel was like Lightning. Or light flashes you could say and his garments as white as snow and you might remember when Jesus was transfigured uh, John or excuse me mark chapter 9 it revealed that his garments became a radiant exceedingly white as no launderer on earth could whiten them (laughs) revelation 3 4 and 18 we know that garments that are white refer to purity We know that tribulation saints who were martyred were wearing white because of the blood of Jesus. They're cleansed of their sins. So this holy angel uh, moves the stone and sits upon it. And verse 4, notice what happens. And the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. You see, we have the Roman guards who were mentioned back in chapter 27. These guards were those in whom the religious leaders wanted to guard the tomb. You see, to prevent the disciples from stealing Jesus' body and having Jesus proclaim that he had risen from the dead like he said he would. You see, so they had the guards there. And so these guards, they shook for fear because of this angel, right? They shook for fear. They shook in their boots or their sandals, Right? And then they were lifeless. They were like dead men. Dead men don't move, right? Absolutely no movement. They were like dead men. And then notice this angel addresses these women and not the guards, by the way. And not the guards. And the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who has been crucified. Isn't that great? I know you're looking for Jesus. Who has been crucified. He is not here. For he has risen just as he said, Come see the place where he was lying. Now I need to fill in some information here as we look at the different accounts of the gospel. They all look from different views, but they share the same true story. In Mark chapter 16 verses 1 to 4, we see that the women approach the tomb. And we don't have that recorded in Matthew. And they were wondering who would roll away the stone because they knew there was a stone there. And when they got there, they saw the stone had already been rolled away. Luke 24, 1-4a informs us that they peered into the tomb but didn't see the body of Jesus and they were perplexed. Now in the Gospel of John, we have another we have another portion that is not recorded in the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, concerning Mary Magdalene. So apparently at this point when they were perplexed, Mary has come, like we see in our passage, but she takes off. She takes off. Look at John chapter 20. John chapter 20. So if you put all the Gospels together, you get a better picture of what's going on. And I really believe God did it this way to shame the wise because they think, oh, there's something wrong here. But if you look at it all together, no, it all fits together perfectly because it's absolutely true. John chapter 20, verse 1. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb while it was still dark, and she saw the stone had already been taken away from the tomb. And so she ran and came to simon peter and the other disciple who jesus loved and said to them they have taken away the lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him so mary magdalene most likely ran about two miles to bethany where peter and john were most likely and then we have the account of peter and john running back two miles you see that's actually in uh, verse uh, three and four of john twenty peter therefore Went forth and the other disciple, and they were going to the tomb, and the two were running together. The other disciple ran ahead faster than Peter and came to the tomb first. So it's during this time that Mary had turned around and ran to tell the disciples, and they were running back, that we have the account of what happened. Remember, there was more than just two women there. We saw it in the other Gospels, right? so it's during this time and we have the account notice the angel answered and said to the women do not be afraid back in matthew 28 5 for i know you are looking for jesus who has been crucified the angel didn't tell the guards not to be afraid they were shaking in their boots and lying there like dead men right but the angel told the woman isn't god gracious now, we'll see later on in the chapter that guards were not believers, but these women were. And, God, and when they would get more revelation, they would believe. They would believe. So these ladies are followers of Christ. Do not be afraid, for I know you're looking for Jesus. Jesus, his name Jesus, that's his human name. Yeshua, the Lord saves, the I am saves. You're looking for Jesus. God who took on human flesh. You're looking for Jesus who has been Crucified. Already done deal in the tense. Jesus was crucified. Acts 2.38. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ. This Jesus whom you crucified. Whom you crucified. Matthew 20, uh, verse uh, 17. Whom you crucified, he says, and Jesus was about to go into Jerusalem. We see this, and I'll I'll show this later. And he took the 12. So the angel says back in our passage, do not be afraid, for I know you are looking for Jesus, who has been crucified. Middle of verse 5, and then he continues. Verse 6, Matthew 28. He is not here, for he has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he was lying. So Jesus was crucified. Uh, He bore our sins in his body on the cross. He bore the wrath of God on our behalf. God poured out all our sin on him. John the Baptist would point to Jesus and say, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. All the Old Testament sacrifices were shadows that pointed to the reality there needed to be a sacrifice. And Jesus is that sacrifice, the Lamb of God. And he bore our sins in his body on the cross. He paid the full penalty, what God requires. He requires death. And Jesus paid that penalty. And then as we see, he died and went into the tomb. He was crucified. But as we see here, he has risen. Back in verse 6, he is not here, the angel says. For he has risen just as he said. Jesus was in the tomb because he had risen. Now look at uh, Matthew 20, verse 17. You see, Jesus had been telling his disciples this all along. This is why I'm going to Jerusalem. This is why I'm going. I'm going to be uh, uh, mocked and scourged and, and crucified and I'll rise on the third day. He kept telling them that over and over again. John chapter, excuse me, Matthew chapter 20, verse 17. And as Jesus was about to go up to Jerusalem, he took the twelve disciples aside by themselves and on the way said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem and the Son of Man will be delivered to the chief priests and scribes and they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles to mock, scourge and crucify him. And on the third day he will be raised up. The religious leaders even understood that jesus had said that we see in chapter 27 they put extra guards around the tomb because they knew jesus said he was going to rise on the third day now they thought the disciples would come steal his body and and take him out and say that he rose but as we've seen jesus rose uh, from the dead on his own so the angel says, Do not be afraid, for I know you're coming to look for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen just as he said. Come see the place where he was lying. It's amazing that God chooses different people at different times to do different things. These people, these ladies, were, were, were privileged to be spoken to by the angel to look in and see. See that? Now, some of you might think the angel rolled away the stone so that Jesus could get out of the tomb, but nothing farther from reality. The angel rolled away the stone so that the women could come in and see. We see later on Jesus in his glorified body. We know later on was able to walk through and appear. We see him in his glorified body when he appeared before Thomas and the others. So we have the wonderful reality, the fact that Jesus Christ, who was crucified, rose from the dead. But why would he need to die and then why would he need to rise like he said? Why all this death and resurrection stuff? Why this gospel? Well, we see that scripture reveals that Jesus was nailed to a cross and crucified and as he hung on that cross, all of our sin was placed upon him. The sinless, spotless lamb of God became sin for us. Second Corinthians 521, he, that's speaking of God, the father made him speaking of Jesus who knew no sin, the sinless, spotless lamb of God to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God in him. You see, he received God's wrath that we deserved. You remember in the garden, Jesus, God in human flesh, in his humanity, the night before uh, he was betrayed, he was praying if this cup could pass the cup of having to pay the penalty, having to go through that. But he said, yet not my will, but thy will be done. And so then he was delivered up, Romans 4, 25, because of our transgressions. You see, we're sinners, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We have all not met God's standard of holiness. And you see, a holy God must have holy people uh, with him forever. Uh, He's a holy God. He's not going to have sinners with him forever. He's going to have redeemed, holy, uh, righteous, uh, uh, those who have trusted in Christ who will be with him forever. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, not even one. Indeed, the wages of sin is death. The paycheck that you get for sin is death. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. You see, the grace of God appeared bringing the offer of salvation to all men, bringing salvation to all men. You see, God predetermined to send his son and allow him to be delivered up to the hands of godless men, crucified, put to death. And why? Because of our sin. Isaiah 53, turn to Isaiah 53 in the middle of your Bibles, or just listen to me, Isaiah 53. 700 years before the crucifixion, Isaiah says this, inspired by the Spirit of God. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he, is speaking of Christ, 700 years earlier, grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of parched ground. He had no stately form or majesty that we should look upon him, nor an appearance that we should be attracted to him. He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and like one from whom men hid their face. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely our griefs he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried, yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastening, that means punishment, for our well-being, shalom, fell upon him. And by his scourging we are healed. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each one has turned his own way. But what does God do? But the Lord has caused the iniquity, that sin of us all, to fall on Him. You see, we've been called by the Lord God to repent and trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. You see, it is through Jesus' blood that we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He paid the full price. God requires death. Jesus Christ paid that death. It is through his redemption. 1 Peter 2.24, And he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness, for by his wounds you were healed. Galatians one three, Grace to you and peace from our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins. Revelation five, And Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, from jesus christ the faithful witness the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth to him who loves us and released us from our sins by his blood god requires death for sin and jesus died in our place it's just that simple it's that simple behold the lamb of god who takes away the sin of the world You see, every one of us needs our sin removed, or we will experience the eternal consequence that God does not want us to go through, but his holiness demands. You see, we need to be saved from the wrath of God for sin. And if we turn to Jesus, who bore God's wrath, and we believe that he's God who took in human flesh, he bore our sins, we call upon him to save us, then his death applies to us, and we are saved. So I understand the death, why he died. He died for our sins. But why did he need to rise? Why the resurrection? 1 Corinthians 15. Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel, which I preached to you, which also you received, in which you also stand, by which you are also saved, if you hold fast the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as first importance What I received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. You see, the gospel is not only that Jesus died for our sins, but that he rose from the dead. That he rose from the dead according to the scriptures, according to the word that was written, God's word. You see, it's not simply his death that takes care of our sins. Yes, he died for our sins, but he needed to be raised. Down later on in chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians, Paul makes a hypothetical case. Well, what happens if, if Jesus isn't raised? He makes a hypothetical case. He says, if Christ is not raised, your faith is worthless, you're still in your sins. Because the resurrection is very important to his death. We'll see. The resurrection is very important. It's absolutely crucial. You say, how so? You say, how so? Well, in Romans chapter 1, first of all, the resurrection is a proof that he is God. That he is God. Romans chapter 1. Paul, a bondservant of Christ Jesus, called an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets and the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son who was born, a descendant of David, according to the flesh, who was declared the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead. You see, when Jesus came, he came in humility. He took on human flesh. There was nothing special about him. He trusted the Father. The things he did was God doing it through him as he obeyed the Father's will. And you could say, oh, that was just a man. Well, Jesus said no. He declared himself to be the Son of God. But for everyone to see the resurrection proves that he is the Son of God. The resurrection was not only a declaration of his deity, but it also revealed his sinlessness. Uh, Turn to Acts 2.22. The Lord decided to have you participate in the message. (laughs) Thank you. Acts 2.22. Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, the man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know, this man delivered up by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. And God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death, since it was impossible for him to be held in its power." For David says of him, I was always beholding the Lord in my presence, for he is my right hand that I might not be shaken. Acts chapter 17 reveals that through the resurrection that he is the rightful judge of the living and the dead. The resurrection proves that he's God and he has the right to judge. Acts chapter 17, move up there, 17 verse 30. Therefore, having overlooked times of ignorance, God is declaring that to men that all everywhere should repent. There You've heard it. Because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he has appointed, having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. Jesus Christ is the judge and he is declaring all men to repent so that you don't have to stand before him and he judge you eternally. Yes, we have judgment as believers, but not for sin. But for non-believers, it's a judgment for sin. Romans chapter 4, verse 23, I'll read this for you. Now, not for his sake was it written only, speaking of Abraham, that it was reckoned to him, but for our sake also, this is Romans four twenty-three, to whom it will be reckoned, as those who believe in him who raised Jesus from the dead, he who was delivered up because of our transgressions. He went to the cross because of our sin. But it says, and was raised because of our justification. You see, the resurrection proves that he's God. It proves that God the Father accepted his sacrifice. That he, And then therefore, because of what Jesus did, God could declare you right. He could justify you if you trust in Jesus. He was raised for our justification. If Jesus Christ isn't raised from the dead, then we're all in our sins, right? But he was raised from the dead. He has risen. Look at Acts chapter 13. This is a wonderful discourse here in Acts chapter 13 that Paul shares. Acts 13. And it has to do with the resurrection. You see, the resurrection affirms everything that God had said about Jesus. It confirms everything that he had said is true. Everything. Acts chapter 13, verse 16, and this is at the synagogue in Antioch. And Paul stood up, and motioning with his hand, he said, Men of Israel, and you who fear God, this is Acts 13, verse 16, now 17, fear God, listen, the God of this people, Israel, chose our fathers and made the people great during their stay in the land of Egypt. And with an uplifted arm, he led them out from it, and for a period of about 40 years, he put up with them in the wilderness. That's true, Right? It's all true, but boy. And when he had destroyed the seven nations in the land of Canaan, he distributed their land as an inheritance, all of which took about 450 years. And after these things, he gave them judges until Samuel the prophet. And then they asked for a king, and God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, for 40 years. And after he had removed him, he raised up David, to be their king concerning whom he had testified also testified and said i have found david the son of jesse this is wonderful a man after my heart who will do all my will i hope you're that way for the offspring of this man according to the promise god has brought to israel a savior jesus and after john had proclaimed before his coming a baptism of repentance for all the people of israel while John was completing his course, he kept saying, What do you suppose that I am? I'm not he. But behold, one is coming after me, the sandals of, which, of whose feet I am not worthy to untie. Brethren, the sons of Abraham's family and those among you who fear God, to us the word of this salvation is sent out. For those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers recognize neither him nor the utterances of the prophets, which are read every sabbath fulfill fulfill these by cons- by condemning him and though they found no guilt for putting him to death they asked Pilate that he be executed and when he they had carried out all that was written concerning him they took him down from the cross and laid him in a tomb but god raised him from the dead and for many days he appeared to those who came, with, came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, the very ones who are now his witnesses to the people. And we preach to you the good news of the promise, promise made to the fathers that God fulfilled, has fulfilled this promise to our children in that he raised up Jesus. He fulfilled the promise. He says here, it is also written in the second psalm, Thou art my son, today I have begotten thee." The resurrection proves that Jesus is the Son of God. And as for the fact that he raised him from the dead, no more to return to decay, he spoke has spoken in this way, I will give you the holy and sure blessings of David. Therefore, he also says in another psalm, thou wilt not allow thy holy one to undergo decay. For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid among his fathers and went under decay. But he whom God raised did not undergo decay. Therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that through him the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. He is God who died for your sins, and God has accepted his sacrifice, and he rose from the dead, and through him there is forgiveness of sins proclaimed you see the resurrection means everything it affirms that everything god said about him in his word is true that he is both lord and christ and that he gave himself as an acceptable sacrifice for our sins and the resurrection is mandatory that you believe it by the way romans chapter 10 verse 8 but what does it say the word is near you and in your mouth and in your heart the word of faith which we're preaching that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead. You shall be saved. He goes on to say whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. You've got to believe that God took on human flesh. And that he bore your sins in his body on the cross. And that he died for your sins. But he rose because he's God. Because he's a sinless, spotless lamb of God. And God accepted his sacrifice. You've got to believe that. And if you call upon him, you will be saved. You see, the resurrection means everything. Paul shares to the Corinthians, he says, if we've hoped in Christ for this life only, we are of all most men to be pitied. But now Christ has raised from the dead the firstfruits of those who are asleep now Christ has been risen. He has risen from the dead. So how are we to respond? How do we respond to the truth that God took on our sins and died and rose from the dead? How do we respond? Well, the Lord Jesus shares this specifically in Luke chapter 24, turn to 24, and this is after he rose from the dead. This is what he says. Luke twenty four forty four. And now he said to them, these are my words which I spoke to you while I was with still with you, that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. I love that. And he said to them, thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and rise again from the dead on the third day and that repentance For the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. Repentance for the forgiveness of sins proclaimed. That's how we respond to the reality that Jesus died for our sins and rose from the dead. God calls upon all men everywhere to repent. What does repent mean? It means metanoia, it means a change of mind. And if I truly change my mind, I'm going to change my actions. You see, it's a change of mind concerning my sinfulness and the the, the penalty that's coming that God declares. I realize that is true. And I believe and I change my mind about Jesus that he is God and he died for my sins. And I turn to him and I cry out for salvation from my sins. I read this earlier in Romans chapter 10. But he says, uh, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call upon him. Whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. It's personal. It's not some mantra, It's not some canned prayer. Yes, you pray, but it's not a canned prayer. It's, Lord Jesus, save me. And he knows you believe. I believe. I believe you died for my sins and you rose from the dead. I'm a sinner. I need salvation. You are the judge and I need forgiveness. Save me. You see, if you don't do that, there is only one thing left for you and that is a terrifying expectation of judgment. You see, if you reject God's gift of the most valuable thing that could ever be given, his own son, if you reject that, then you are worthy of his wrath for sin. And it is a terrifying expectation of judgment. You see, God gives a free gift. But you need to admit you're sinful and you need to trust in Jesus. If you don't do so, you will experience his judgment in the lake of fire. And God takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather they would repent and live. But what about us, believers? How should we respond? How should we respond? Look back in Matthew chapter 28. Go back to Matthew 28. And look at verse uh, 5. And the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know you're looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He is not here, for he has risen. Just as he said, come and see the place where he was lying. Come and see. And notice what he says, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you into Galilee, and there you will see him. And behold, I have told you. The angel commands them to go quickly and tell his disciples, what? That he has risen from the dead. And so these ladies, what do they do? They obey, don't they? Look at verse 8. And they departed quickly. From the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to report to his disciples. Now, uh, on one side note, remember, as these women are running to tell the disciples, Peter and John are running the other way to the tomb. Remember that? Indeed, it's apparent that after they leave, Peter and John arrive after the ladies leave. And there too we have the Lord appearing to Mary Magdalene, the woman who had seven demons cast out. And so these other women now departed quickly with fear and great joy i think we'd all be fearing in a sense if we'd seen an angel and yet with great joy for what they have heard he's risen and so notice they ran to report to his disciples they were immediately obedient you see faith obeys if you have genuine faith in jesus it's going to manifest in obedience so let me ask you this do you obey what god says in his word I'm not talking about perfect obedience, we fail, but by and large, we, if you're truly saved, obey the Lord. They ran and obeyed. They had great joy, although they were scared. Verse 9, notice what happens. And behold, this is amazing. Jesus met them and greeted them. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. This is amazing. And I've shared this before, but this term greeted them, it's a common greeting. It's the word in Greek for a common greeting. He just said, hi. It's amazing, you know. He's the same Jesus yesterday, today, and yes, forever. He didn't change. He was always God, and he was always gracious, he was always truthful, he was always kind. He's the same Jesus. And behold, Jesus greeted them. He greeted them. Hello. (laughs) Hello. And it says, and they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. What a gracious God. He has risen from the dead. He is glorified and is glorified. Uh, and he's, he says uh, to them, the same, the same Jesus they'd known before, hello. And then notice this. What's their response? They should have joy. And they did have joy, but also they worshipped him. They understood Middle of verse 9, and they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Now, this is great evidence. He rose bodily, by the way. They took hold of his feet. He had feet. He was in his resurrection body, but although God, he was still fully man and fully God. Now forever the God-man. That's quite amazing. Jesus rose bodily. And Scripture reveals that we who are in Christ, we will rise bodily. So, what is the minimum response we should have to the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead? It's worship. He is worthy of all worship. He is worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our honor. He's worthy of all worship. That's the minimum. That's the minimum so notice what he says verse 10 he commands them to do the same thing he says jesus said to them do not be afraid go and take my word to my brethren to leave for Galilee, for there they shall see me he commands them to do the same thing the angel did go to the disciples tell them that he's risen and go to Galilee. they shall see me there what an amazing true account the angel descended from heaven the earthquake, the stone rolled away, the angel sitting atop the stone, the guards shaking in fear and falling down as dead men, the women coming to the tomb, the angel revealing who they are seeking is not there, but he has risen, the angel commanding them to go quickly and tell his disciples, and they leave with great joy, and on their way they meet Jesus, and he says hello, and they worship him, the Lord who has risen, and he commands them to tell his disciples. What a wonderful true story. Jesus has conquered sin and death. So I began speaking about hope. If you don't believe, friend, in the Lord Jesus, if you haven't been forgiven of your sins, you have no true hope for what will happen after this life because you're still in your sins. You're separated from the living God. And God in his holiness must judge you and punish you forever. But he gave his son Jesus instead, and he died for our sins, and he rose from the dead. He has risen. He has risen. So then, how should we respond? We should praise him, we should obey him, and we should worship him. John eleven twenty-five. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me shall live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? I do. She said to him, Yes, Lord. I have believed that you are the Christ, the Son of God, even he who comes into the world. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Uh, Thank you so much, Father, for sending your Son, Jesus. For loving us so much to deliver us from our sins. Thank you that your Son willingly came and he bore our sins in his body on the cross and he rose from the dead. Thank you that he is the propitiation for our sins, that you're satisfied with his death. Thank you that he rose. Father, may we obey you, may we worship you, may we praise you for what you've done. And bringing the forgiveness of sins in your Son, Jesus. It's in His name we pray.